When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! 397! Oh, it is time. It is time for Hot Routes on a Friday here on Purple Daily. Our contestants on this day. Judd Zulgad, Rami Maklov, and uh, Jonathan Harrison, as always, will be answering questions from storylines around the league. Gentlemen, I have become so excited about our daily hot routes. I love hot routes. That I literally woke up this morning and in my bed, been awake for maybe 10 minutes, started on my phone searching for questions to ask you guys. Oh, I thought you were going to say you sat up in bed this morning and started hollering out like, Blue Night! Yeah. Uh, well, that happens every right. every time. I didn't know yeah. wh- where that was going, and I was slightly scared, but it makes perfect sense now that you explained it. Can't get any weirder than uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami got yesterday, so. Know about that. <laughs> let's try. Get today. <laughs> let's give it a try, boys. Well, let's see what we can do here. Uh, all right. First hot route. Green 68 is Chargers running back Melvin Gordon. Very good player in the NFL. Plays for a very good team, the Los Angeles Chargers. He said that his squad out there in L.A. is the team to beat in the AFC. Now, of course, we know Melvin is full of it because that is the New England Patriots, as always. But, fellas, who is the team to beat in the NFC? Now, the boring answer is the Los Angeles Rams. Todd Mc- or Sean McVay is the, the wonderkin of the NFL coaching community. Jared Goff is the next great quarterback. That defense seems very, very good. They just went to the Super Bowl last year. So that's the easy and simple and boring answer. The more exciting answer is my Chicago Bears. Who who could, I'm not saying they will be, a lot of things have to go right, but could be the Los Angeles Rams of 2020. Second-year head coach, offensive quote-unquote mastermind, young quarterback, third year in the league, second year in that system, a lot of talent around him, dominant defense. I think if if Mitch Trubisky takes the next step, that's what this is all contingent on, 
the Bears could be looked at as the team to beat in the NFC at some point this season. Can they make a 43-yard field goal? That is also a very good question. Silence. That's the key. Silence on kicks. We Augusta now know. silence. Not just silence, but Augusta silence. You a guys specific are, brand your coach, of silence. Your coach is screwing With up. little bird noises in the your, back. Yeah. Judd, the team to beat in the NFC. I'm going with one last stand from one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I'm going to the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees. Now, now there was regression in the second half of last year. I get that. But I think that this is the last go-around for these Saints led by Drew Brees. I love Drew Brees. I like the Saints. I don't think... I think the problem is the Rams are not only the easy answer... But I don't know for sure there. And there's most a lot of teams don't there. go back to back and, to the Super Bowl. And it's Gurley's, really hard to do. And Gurley's hurt now, and it, that sounds like it's not going to be something where he's going to be at full strength. Plus, it, people may have figured out golf exactly. A so there's a lot. There, there's a lot of variables that make me leery of the Rams. And going out in one last blaze of glory, I'm going Drew Brees. Jonathan? I would have said the Saints as well. Just one last run for Drew Brees and Sean Payton together. I think a sneaky one could be the Packers. It pains me to say that as a Vikings fan, but the defense did get better. They they actually went out and signed some players for once in free agency, and possibly a revamped offense for Aaron Rodgers could mean a whole world of change for that offense. So the Packers might be a sneaky run there in the I, NFC. Yeah, I think that that's true. I think that they could quickly become the team mm-hmm. to beat by like week three if they're throwing right. it all over the place. So I think uh, all good answers. I don't disagree with you on Chicago, Rami. The kicking situation concerns me, but um, they added even weapons in Cordell Patterson, bringing him in to try and help Trubisky. And even though um, somebody pointed out to me last night, Arif Hassan, who writes for The Athletic, mm-hmm. that Mitch Trubisky cannot throw left, like the Derek Zoolander can't turn left. Yeah, that his throwing left is incredibly bad numbers wise. So you do have a quarterback there who can't throw in one direction. It's a little bit of a problem. So I'm going to go with a team that was down last year, but I think was better than their record. Philadelphia Eagles. They added Jordan Howard to the mix. They've got Dallas Goddard coming into his second year. They have solidified Carson Wentz as the guy there, and as long as he stays healthy. I think the Eagles are really, really strong, and they were super close to, you know, going even deeper again this year. Of course, I know that they had to win on a missed field goal, right? But they were one catch away by Elshon Jeffrey from potentially going to the NFC Championship again. I think that the Eagles are still a one of the teams to beat in the NFC. Does anyone have a case for the Vikings as the team to beat? I don't think there's one to be made. I really don't right now. No, no. All right, team next. to beat, no. Could they be a very good team who works their way into the discussion of a contender? Yes, but I don't think they'll ever be seen as the clear-cut team to beat in the NFC. All right. Hot route number two. 43 white! Tom Brady and this trademark story gets more ridiculous and hilarious as the days go along. It's been a part of Hot Routes, I think, three days going. So, Pro Football Talk is reporting that Brady's lawyers once went after a professional lacrosse player named Thomas Baptiste because he wanted to use TB9 as a logo, because his name is Thomas Baptiste, and he's number nine, on lacrosse sticks, which has nothing to do with TB12, which is a scam, as far as I could tell. So Tom Brady owns TB12. His lawyers went after 
If you guys had a pack of really expensive lawyers, let's say 12 lawyers on retainer at any time because mm-hmm. you're just rich radio AM guys. Right. Um, what petty ass thing would you go after people for? What a jackass that this oh, guy is. Totally. Too. And by totally. the way, that lie that he told yesterday, which was, I want to trademark. Tom, terrific, because I don't like it, and I want to kill it. He doesn't want anybody using yeah, that, it associated you, yeah, with his name. Yeah, you are full of you-know-what. Do you notice that Brady has a lying tell? He laughs after yep. he lies. Did you notice this? Yes. He did this. He we, does a constant. I did not notice. He does I, a lot. So when I was in Buffalo, we played this uh, literally one million times on the radio. But he, was, he did a radio hit after the Deflategate game, and he hadn't heard of it yet. And they were like, because it was early morning. EI, I heard yeah, this. EI. Yep. So they called him up, and the first question is, hey, you know, have you heard this thing about deflating the footballs? He doesn't respond. There's a pause, and he just goes, ha, ha, ha. Oh, come on, guys. It is the most obvious, oh, no, I've been caught, but I just realized it. I have no answer. <laughs> and the same thing for this, ha, ha, ha. It's just a total mix-up. My bad. I'm going to make up a lie. So anyway, Judd, what are you going right. after people for the most petty thing possible with your pack of jackal lawyers so because i am rich enough to afford this yes i'm assuming that i am an incredibly wealthy man so i'm going to take a leap on this question and come up with the answer based off the fact that i am rich enough to invest in a national hockey league team i'm not saying buy the team limited investor right and then you're going to push a player like the same guy that pushed (laughs) yeah poor lowry of toronto who owned a piece of Golden State. So I've got a piece of a hockey team. Let's say it's the Wild. My pack of lawyers is going to defend me because I am then going to become a media celebrity who joins shows like this all the time to talk about the incompetence of the league itself and officiating when necessary. And my pack of lawyers is going to inform little Gary Bettman that Judd Zolgad will not be paying any fines for anything he says, and it's too damn bad, but he will continue to spout off, and you can send all of the fines that you want, but there will be no checks in the mail because my lawyers will tie up Bettman's time constantly as I tell the truth about what a joke that league is. This went really far down the road for Jeff. Yeah, he did. somehow became an owner of an NHL team. Well, I've, an I've got a pack of lawyers, so I'm rich. That's right. Okay, and, fair and, enough. And it's very petty. Fair enough. But Gary, you can find me all you want. You will not see a dollar from me. I, when I moved to Minnesota, I'm sure some heard this story, but the audience is growing every day, so some may have not. I uh, was rejected from the apartment I'm currently renting because my name was on a watch list because <laughs> I have never not be funny because I have the same first and last name as a Syrian genocide funding billionaire oligarch. So they, now that we've gotten to know you, very similar. It kind of makes right. sense. You are an oligarch. I would send my pack <laughs> of lawyers after him. this man for damages and for besmirching my good name. Mm. Through his actions. I don't know that's so petty, all of your honest. lawyers are dead. Clearly went well for I, Rami. I really am not sure that that is petty. Like, that seems like fair. Yeah. Stop being a genocide funding oligarch. Right, man. exactly. Yeah, you're what making me your look problem? bad. You're making me look bad, dude. Trying to build a brand here. <laughs> Sounds like a band name. Genocide funding oligarchs. <laughs> Please welcome them to Saturday Night Live. 
All right. Uh, Jonathan, what are you suing for with your pack of jackal lawyers? It's not going to go anywhere, so it makes it extremely petty. Can I sue Mother Nature for sending 85 mile per hour winds to knock down the tree that hit my house earlier this week? No, because you're happy about it, which yeah, you told true. me that you actually were trying to get those trees gone, and now one's gone. Huh. And the insurance is going to get you a new roof. True. Yeah. We call that a Betty. break. Maybe Jonathan. they'll actually be suing you yeah, for like yeah. insurance fraud. Maybe yeah, you uh, knock down the tree yourself. Um, nope. Can you sue the weather? It yeah. is. It, you can. You can sue whatever you it's want. Petty. This is your petty thing to be mad at something and sue. All right, I've got mine. I'm going to sue fellow dog owners who either A, let the dogs off the leash oh. at the park, or B, do not clean up in my neighborhood. That I want to... Also employ maybe a team of spies to watch for who does this. And I want my lawyers to go after these people to the full extent that we can get for retribution for not cleaning up after your dog. It's terrible. Dogs off the leash is not petty at all. You are, again, a thousand percent. There's nothing that drives me more up the wall than moron who thinks to himself, yeah, Fido, he don't do nothing bad. I've called the authorities on somebody who has their dog off leash and talked about it on the air, and somehow I was the bad guy. This was back in Milwaukee. I was the bad guy. People were calling me a snitch for calling the authorities on some guy. If if it's putting your dog in danger, like that's your best friend. You don't want your best friend to get hurt because some other idiot won't put the dog on a leash. Right. Yeah. You think put a roof on it is annoying? Put a leash on it was my thing in (laughs) Milwaukee. I was relentless. Okay, those are some petty, some very reasonable lawsuits that we would use Tom Brady's lawyers for. Next hot route. (laughs) Yellow, 42. Uh, former Steelers backup quarterback Landry Jones is going to participate in an XFL workout. So, Judd, if you're not busy, they're having one. I'm sure um, be great. Had this thought the other day. The XFL starting is lining up with conversations about a lockout in the NFL. Will Vince McMahon attempt to get NFL players who are potentially locked out to come play in the XFL? Do you think that's a thing that will happen? And I think the wording that you had, Matthew Collar, in your question was good players. So not superstars, but good players? Yeah, good players. I think the answer is 1,000% absolutely, yes. Yeah, these guys need paychecks. The good players, the great players don't. They they can sit out and enjoy their freedom from football and uh, lounge around and take vacations. But if we're talking about good players who are, are well compensated but spend up to their means, which a lot of these people do, I think it is absolutely a possibility. Because I've been thinking about just, like, what is the angle here? After you just saw the AAF light up in flames. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us agreed, like, hey, AAF is not a bad idea on its face. I thought Uh, it was a bad idea. Okay, uh, here's what I mean. Taking guys who are on the fringe and putting them in a league that is run very legit and trying out some new things... And like from that standpoint, I never thought it was going to make it, but I just thought from from being like a legit league and not trying to go over the top and be crazy like the XFL, sure, a, a reasonable idea, though it never had a chance in hell to make it. But I thought, okay, so that just flamed out. The UFL flamed out. All these other leagues have flamed out, including an XFL before. What's your angle, Vince? I think this is his angle. I think that he's going to try to convince players who are locked out of the NFL next year to come play in the XFL. I think whether it's out in the open and blatant or if it's behind closed doors, players will be told, go play for the XFL and you are not welcome back here. Oh, okay, yeah. 
But you, will I mean, not, you will not be welcome back into the NFL. Just, I mean, and, they're, they're and, not really going scab there. No. They're just going to a different league. No. But I could very easily see the NFL being petty in that way mm-hmm. and saying that to some players. And if I'm an agent, I'm saying to these guys, look, this league isn't going to last two years. But if I'm that's get- how I generally feel. The league isn't going to last two years. So, But if I'm Vin, uh, Vince McMahon and I could get one good quarterback to do it, one somebody deep, on a decent one. I somebody mean, you're on, not going to get a star. But you know, how about but somebody on a, a on a rookie deal that doesn't have that yeah. much money? Hey, listen, if I'm the 23rd guy on a roster right now, and I'm a pretty good player, but I'm you know not paid great. I'm paid well, and we go out, and I'm doing nothing, and I've spent, and you know, the wife and I have spent our cash, and, and I'm being threatened by my league, and the wife comes home and says, "But we're broke. Do something." I'm going to listen. I'm more Isn't, afraid of her than fellow players. Back when the WCW was a thing, didn't Vince send some of the guys from WWE to the events at WCW yeah. to yes, crash them? Yes, so he this did. is totally within the realm of something that he would do. I just think that Vince McMahon and Jonathan, you can tell me if you have a different angle on this other than mine, which is I think he's going to try to get lockout players mm-hmm. there. But he's got to have something. He would not have done this if he just had nothing. Like, oh, I'm just going to start a football league. It's going to be fun football. He wouldn't slow burn it like he has been. got to be something else. He wouldn't slow burn it like he has been. He wouldn't put it for a 2020 release. He did that very specifically, knowing that there are these troubles with the NFL and the NFL Players Association. You know he's planning something. This is a Zolgadian conspiracy, but I like it. Uh, Okay, so next hot route. The Dallas Cowboys signed our friend and just a great guy to talk to for a reporter like myself, George Iloka, very smart player, friendly enough guy, to take the place of their safety, Jeff Heath, who's apparently not that good. Um, But Jeff Heath is getting all the first team reps in training camp. We wasted so much time last year talking about George Iloka and what he could do and how dynamic he could make Mike Zimmer's defense. But then when Anderson Dejo got hurt, Anthony Harris took his place. Iloka played like four plays, and it meant nothing. So, guys, what is the football thing that you have wasted the most time talking about and it turned out not to matter at all? And don't say Vikings football. Backup quarterbacks. Okay. Throughout the course of my career, and mind you, the vast majority of that career was taking place in Milwaukee. Right. Where I was watching first Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers play quarterback, and for some reason, we would frequently, seemingly every training camp, discuss who is the backup quarterback, and my answer, every time, it wouldn't stop the conversation, but it was my (laughs) attempt to stop the conversation, was it doesn't matter Uh who the backup quarterback is. It almost never matters who the backup quarterback is. And I say that, and people go, Rami, what about Nick Foles? Rami, what about Kurt Warner? Rami, what about Jeff Hostetler? And I say, those are three damn quarterbacks. Do you know how many football teams just have had their town to be making this case, though? And that's had it happen like 14 times where some backup is good. See, Keenum, good, but he's winning a Super Bowl. Case. Case Keenum. Randall Cunningham. Is he winning a Super Bowl? Jeff George shows up out of nowhere, <laughs> yeah. wins seven games. Gus Look Farad at all won of the 90s, games. essentially. 90, 99 times out of 100, if your starting quarterback goes down and you have any Super Bowl aspirations, cancel Christmas. It's over. I, I think, in general, if you have Aaron Rodgers, your quarterback, or Peyton Manning, and it doesn't probably matter, 
it just has so many times here. <laughs> it's it is it, it's really unique as a franchise. I can't think of another franchise in the NFL that has had so many backup quarterbacks well, have great seasons. It's true of the Packers because if Favre got hurt or Aaron gets hurt now, you can't bring in a guy who's even close to them. Here, the bad case is this: you can at times. Oh yeah. So your experience is exactly right to say that. It's just been different here. Because the the play of the starting quarterback has not often been at the point of what you're talking about. That also followed the first 25 years of my life before I started working in this industry of following the Bears and the backup quarterback was always the favorite Bear (laughs) among the fan base. You had P.T. Willis and Steve Walsh. I love Moses Moreno. Moses Moreno. It was the backup Bear quarterback was always the most popular guy on the roster. I made a mad season with Moses Moreno once, and we went the distance. I'm what impressed. year was he? I mean, it was like 99 90s? or something. Yeah, he and he was terrible on the game. But it, I don't know because I blocked it out. Game. You and Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh, yep. Same Paul. Yeah, what's own. your problem? Oh, I was watching the uh, quarterback challenge thing the other day. NFL Network, old one. Caden McNown shows up, throws it 75 yards. Good for you, Caden McNown. <laughs> Anyway, those are great. I love uh, those. What, Zolgad, you've wasted a lot of time oh, in your life talking God, about football things. God, have I things. wasted time? <laughs> oh, have I wasted time? So, so my first thought to the answer to your question was: I remember, I think it was early in the uh, Childress's tenure, which started in 2006. Here, when he brought brought in a guy, if you recall this guy's name, Todd Pinkston. How and Todd sure. Pinkston knows the Eagles routes, so he's going to come in. Uh, no. And then there, there were there were the uh, Packers cast-offs. Robert Ferguson is coming to the Vikings, and he's got... Oh, wait, they signed Javon Walker? Javon Walker with Favre was fantastic. Oh, no. So I'm going to give you a little bit different one because there was a ton of time back in uh, 2010 spent on this guy and talking about how he was going to impact things and he was going to change the season and he was going to make a huge difference teaming with Brett Favre, Randy Moss, who lasted, oh, who yes. lasted oh, yes. less than one month. And let's see, I looked up the stats, four games, 13 receptions, 174 yards, two touchdowns, and one that he didn't catch an alligator armed in a, a primetime game in Green Bay. And we had so many discussions about Randy's back. This is going to be unbelievable, and he's teaming with Favre, and this is, and Brad Childress didn't even give him a month before he cut him. Jonathan? Uh, the Vikings kicking game, it's something that's always been cursed, always will be cursed. So trying to hope that it changes, <laughs> just a waste of time. Because it'll all be, cur- it'll always be cursed. And Rami's learning this about the Bears kicking game. It's now forever cursed. Um, I, for mine, I refuse I'm, to believe that. I'm going to give a shout out <laughs> to my guy EJ Manuel, who is <laughs> becoming a broadcaster for ACC Network. And I will tell you this, friends, he is a great guy, like legit. Get him on the show. Smart guy, really nice, great guy. Get him on the if show. If I had a daughter and she was somehow weirdly older than me, then she could date E.J. Manuel. That would be really weird. Um, (laughs) You could always adopt if you want. Actually, I think E.J. Manuel might be younger than me. Whatever. None of this matters. Just like all the conversations we had about E.J. Manuel. First round draft pick. Is he really worth a first round pick? They traded back. Usually if you trade back to pick your quarterback, it's not a great selection. Uh, So they get EJ Manuel and okay, he's got a couple of good games and look at his arm and he's got these big ass hands he can throw in the winter time and just like, oh my God, did I spend years of my life talking about whether EJ Manuel could be the next great Bills quarterback. We we interviewed Jim Kelly and he says he loves what he sees. Like, uh, yeah. So no, he did not. 
become the next great quarterback, and I will never, ever get that time back. If he could just be Alex Smith. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, and then people would call in, and they would be like, this is your backup thing. There was a guy named Jeff Toole who went to Washington State who played like two games. He threw a great touchdown pass to Marquise Goodwin once and then followed it up later in the game with a pick six down at the goal line. Okay, so the guy was awful. But people would call in and be like, you know, they never gave Tool a chance. Like, so we actually had a funeral for Jeff Tool guy when Tool got cut finally. We had like an on-air funeral for Jeff Tool guy because there was enough callers who called in and said Jeff Tool should be the starter. <laughs> Do you realize there's not one negative QB uh, thing that you brought up here, subject, that hasn't been broached in this town frequently? Oh, yeah. Everything yeah, sure. you just said has yep. happened here. And that's why Rami comes from a place where they've essentially had two quarterbacks since 1992. But I'm also a Bears fan. I know the struggles of no quarterback. I'm well aware of that struggle, my friend. <laughs> Okay, final hot route for you guys. USA Today's NFL Wire in Chicago posed a question yesterday on the internet that, um, whoa, that got lit on fire pretty fast by everyone, including me. Um, Is Mitch Trubisky close to dethroning Aaron Rodgers as the best quarterback in the NFC North? That was a real article. That's hilarious. In society (laughs) in today. Um, That really happened on the internet. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the closest, 1 being the farthest away. How close is each NFC North quarterback to Aaron Rodgers? John, do you want to take this one first? Or do you sure. want me to go first? I'll go first, All right. and I'll be quick here. Stafford, on a scale of 1 to 10, Matthew Stafford is a 4. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I will say the same, about a 4. Mitch Trubisky, a 3, because I don't know yet. And the fact that Mitch Trubisky is actually being put anywhere near Aaron Rodgers is right now ridiculous. Three. I would actually say Kirk Cousins is the closest thing to Aaron Rodgers in this mm-hmm. division. And I'll give him yeah, around a five or a six. Can we do halves? Can I say five and a half? You could do five and a half. And there are no rules. I would put <laughs> I would, just keep it between one and ten. I'd put Stafford and Trubisky at about a three or a four. I think Stafford the arrow is pointing down, Trubisky the arrow is pointing up and they're at points in their career where they're kind of passing each other in terms of how good a quarterbacks they are. I'm with Rami. I think Cousins is the closest, but all of them are so far off. Cousins, I gave a four, Stafford a three, and Trubisky a two just because Trubisky's so early into his career, it's hard to say. But, yeah, it's no one's close. So the thing with Stafford is he's playing for such a joker of a coach that I'm not sure what to do with him. In 2017... He was actually really good. They won nine games, had a terrible defense. He threw 29 touchdowns, 99 quarterback rating, averaged almost 300 yards a game. It was really good. Two years in a row, pretty solid. Kind of revamped his career there after some tough times. From, let's see here, from 2014 to 2017, he went 36-28 and 28 with a 94 quarterback rating. It was pretty good. I'm going to say that Stafford is the closest in part because he can make some off-schedule plays and really has the arms. I'm going to go tools here, not just who, like, right now is the will have the better season. I'm going to go tools. I think Stafford has an amazing arm, arm strength, and he can move. He's mobile. I'll go with him being, like, a six and a half, mm. and I'll go Cousins being a five and Trubisky there's just nothing really similar about them. Trubisky is really inaccurate, has to run a lot to make plays on third downs. I'll go about a three for Mitch Trubisky. 
That has been Hot Routes. Now, I love that segment. Uh, ESPN posted an article that I was talking about before you guys came in here about pass rush and pass blocking. Now, some of their conclusions are highly questionable, but I want to ask you guys an off-season question about the Vikings based on their conclusions. We will return in just a moment. You are listening to Purple Day. Williams has been gone for all of the off-season, and even though there are reports he's not happy with his contract, the truth is, the core of this is, he's not happy with how the team handled his medical situation. He had a tumor, a growth on his head. It scared the crap out of him, as it would anyone, and he's not happy with how the team handled that. That's why he's staying away, and it's gotten so bad that he's asked the team to trade him or cut him. That's according to Jason Lockenfour of CBS. That is... Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio there discussing the Trent Williams situation in Washington. Are we all in agreement that Washington is just going to be bad? I mean, that the Jay Gruden is pretty much done there. How's and... Jay Gruden not been fired yet? Because Daniel Snyder is is one of the most incompetent, might be too strong. But he's I don't think not that's a, too strong. He is, I think that's right. He is not a good owner at all and never really has been. He invests, but he's not. I, I wouldn't want him. I think Jay Gruden has actually gotten more out of the situation than oh, I don't you fault, would expect. I'm with you. I don't fault Jay Gruden. Yeah, no. I mean, he's in a crappy situation. No no coach is really going to succeed there until Dan Snyder hands over some of the control. But just when he played that, it made me think of, when we were talking about last segment, teams to beat in the NFC. One of the things that's always hard this time of year is teams that you're certain are going to be trash, especially when... You know, someone always surprises you. Someone always comes from the bottom to the top. And uh, I think Washington is my pick for a team that I definitely think is trash, especially if they have to get rid of Trent Williams because he's one of the, I think he's one of the best players in the entire NFL. Are you certain of anyone in the NFC that's going to be trash? Tampa Bay, maybe. But even then, Bruce Arians is The there. Giants? The Giants look like trash. I'm not, I'm really? not certain. For this season, yeah. the Cardinals. Think so? Young quarterback, uh, offensive mind, who I think might be creative, but I don't know if he's Sean McVay. Tough divisional games. I think the Cardinals are going to be bad. The reason I'm not certain about the Giants, although you know the Eli Manning situation, it, it's not great. But even last year, they salvaged a not super awful season when their defense fell way off. They improved the defense. Saquon Barkley is one of the best playmakers in the league. They brought in Golden Tate. I know they got rid of Odell Beckham, but they brought in Golden Tate, and they actually have a good group of playmakers there. But their trade for Kevin Zeitler, like now their offensive line is actually pretty solid. They drafted a guy, what was his name, Judd? Did we ever talk about Will Hernandez? Oh, no, never talked about him at all. Didn't want to talk about him. He didn't fit my scheme. But uh, He didn't fit my idea of what the Vikings needed at that I feel time. like the Giants will be competitive. I just see an aging, regressing quarterback who, yeah. honestly, I never really believed in the way a lot of other people did. And you just took that aging, regressing quarterback and took away his best weapon throwing the football at so, Odell Beckham Jr. We had this discussion when the Vikings played the Giants like three years ago when I thought it was going to be Eli Manning's last year in the NFL, and he's still so playing. Ben McAdoo. But we were talking about just whether Eli is a Hall of Famer and... I think he will get into the Hall of Fame, even though he should have come up yesterday in our Hall of Very Good discussion. That's where Eli Manning probably should have been. He's always a hard one for me because I think that the end of his career is really tainting 
and so did the beginning of his career, but the middle, he was actually really good. And he wasn't always a huge, like perfect stat guy, but he would take risks when he had to or when they were down in games. But during the middle of his career, he was really good, I thought, but not like Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre good, but really, if, really solid. If he wins two Super Bowls as he did as a Falcon, I think he might not get in. I agree. I think when you win two Super Bowls as a New York Giant, you get in. And that's that's tortured logic on my part, but I think the, no, but I think the Giant angle here... You might be right. And yeah, the I two titles, right. and the fact that those guys who sit in that room talk about what, you know... The New York football giants, the East Coast, that to me puts him over the top is the fact that the team it came with changes the dynamic. So I was looking at his pro football focus grades and his kind of traditional stats, and there's a four-year period in his career where he's totally legit, like real good. And there's one season where he's absolutely spectacular, 2011. And aside from that, it's average or below in the beginning, average or below toward the end of his career. To me, even with the two Super Bowl MVPs, it's just not enough. I, I mean, he's he's a 500 quarterback for his record, uh, 116 and 114. In his prime, he's 20 games over 500, but there's been so much losing toward the end of his career and very few truly great seasons. It's really like one amazing throw that a guy caught with his helmet. And, I mean, they, it's not like they scored a bunch of points in that game anyway, even the first Super Bowl MVP. And a lot of that whole clutch thing and his personality, his last name is Manning. He's got everything working for him, except for really the resume. I think he would be one of the worst quarterbacks to ever make the Hall of Fame. I know this is being simple, and there's obviously a lot more to it than what I'm about to say, but just the eye test of watching quarterback play. Did Eli Manning ever do something where you went, whoa, did you see what that guy just did? Other than the time the guy caught it. But that head. wasn't even him. That, that, was, that was the receiver making a ridiculously yeah. great catch. That's an escapability. Okay. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Give, I'll give you that. No. Never. But not, really, not. not really. No. 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 If I'm going to go back and, and reminisce about the great quarterbacks who I've seen make these unbelievable plays, off-schedule plays, Eli is... I, I actually will recall Eli more personally... For the clunkers of games I saw, I was at Giants Stadium. I covered a Vikings Giants game in I don't know 2006, seven ish or so, mm-hmm. where he just he threw like four picks. It was awful. It was absolute. This gets you benched game. And so no, I would not go back and say that there have been a bunch of games where I'm going to recall the greatness of Eli. Yeah, I mean even like Kurt Warner when he went in made me go a little bit like. You're kind of opening the door for some guys who really aren't that great and just had short periods of time where they were good because early in his career, of course, we know the story, he's the best quarterback in the NFL for three seasons. And then the wheels entirely come off in St. Louis. He's awful. He goes to the Giants. He's awful. The first couple of years in Arizona, three years, he's awful. And then the final two years, he goes nine and seven, 10 and five with decent numbers. And that gets him into the Hall of Fame of basically this really, really hot stretch and then uh, a flash in the pan with a great team at the end of his career. 
if you're going to make an argument for Eli Manning, I think it's you just put in Kurt Warner. He's kind of the same guy with a couple a couple of really good seasons and some trips to the Super Bowl, and that's really your whole resume. I agree that he did have the short the short window of success, but I mean those greatest show on turf teams in St. Louis. But it was three years. No, I know. But it's really not very long. And I'm not saying he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because you're right. It's a short window of crazy good production, but a short window. But again, going back to the eye test, Kurt Warner would make throws during those years. Oh, yeah. He was amazing in those years. That were eye popping. But when I compare him, so here's how I'm looking at this. When I compare him to the other modern era quarterbacks who are in, are any of these other guys that we would recognize? I mean, I, I didn't see Norm Van Brocklin, so let me stick to the guys that we have seen play football. Are any of these guys like Kurt Warner and Eli Manning? Steve Young? No. That guy, he was, he didn't have a super long career, but from start to finish, he was amazing. Uh, Brett Favre, obviously, really, really long, successful career. Dan Marino, Warren Moon, Joe Montana, Jim Kelly, Troy Aikman, John Elway. Like longevity is the, part of the and yeah, I mean these guys were great will start to that. finish. The the other interesting thing in the case of Eli that I can't figure out too is when these guys sit down to talk about his uh, candidacy for the Hall of Fame, are they all are they going to um, hold it against him or give him credit for the fact that he hung on and played on some really bad teams? Well, and that's you could that's go his, both ways, uh, but that, that's actually his best case is that when he was on. The bad teams. It wasn't necessarily his fault that he got all those losses. Like when he when the teams Correct. were better, he won a lot. But I mean, he's part of the badness right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's, it's not like he's he's hanging on and he's the one shining beam of light. Right, but are they going to so, an otherwise desolate football are landscape? They going, are they going to say strike against him or or he played for the Giants and won two Super Bowls and then continue to play and so his career? I just I can't figure out what direction they're going to go in when, when I would, they have that discussion cuz I don't disagree with you. I would see that notch in his belt and and the, and the the case to be made for him if he were still a high level quarterback playing for a bad team. He's a bad quarterback on a bad team. It's not like they're holding Eli Manning back. He's just not very good anymore. You know who's got a better case for this for the Hall of Fame than Eli Manning, I think, is Randall Cunningham. Like a game-changing quarterback who did a ton of winning in his career mm-hmm. and then comes back late in his career and still does more winning. If he gets to the Super Bowl, he's still not going in the Hall of Fame, for sure. Cunningham, especially because of his perception as you know, a kind of me guy and everything else. And I don't know how much of that was his race and the way he played he and stuff like that. But great for in Philadelphia? He, okay, I've got this. It, it was quite a long time. I mean, he was a, a four-time Pro Bowler. Okay. But his prime kind of starts in 1987, and he leaves Philadelphia, basically done as the starter in Philadelphia in 1994. So it goes from 87 to 94, and in that time, he goes 60 and 34 as a starter and is one of the most dynamic and exciting players. And and another one of those things, I always get irritated with the Cam Newton, oh, his quarterback stats aren't that good. Well, he's 58 rushing touchdowns, you have to add those. The same thing with Cunningham. Like his passing stats are not unbelievable, but he was averaging somewhere between 500 and 900 yards rushing every season and did so much winning. I think he's got a much better case than Eli Manning. And I wouldn't even put him in. That's what I'm saying is when I look at, look at this list of quarterbacks throughout the recent history that I've seen in my lifetime. I mean, you're t- rarely are slippery slope arguments any good. Like usually they're, oh, if we, then what are we going to let dogs marry? You know, stuff like that. Um, 
But like <laughs> this, this opens the door for someone like Joe Flacco. If uh, Tony Romo is to me is not a Hall of Famer, but he's better than Eli Manning or just as good yeah, for his career. I agree. Boomer Esiason. At one point in time, too, like, do do we begin to hold the rules against quarterbacks? Because I know, the rules, yeah, the know, rules now invite enormous stats. So at, at what point do we start to hold quarterbacks to, I think what the debate is on receivers as well right now and has been for quite some time, which is, dude, you were really good, but guess what? The rules helped you be better. You know who's got a better case than Eli Manning for the Hall of Fame is Matt Ryan. 295 touchdown passes, a trip to the Super Bowl, one of the great offenses of all time, and another guy that I kind of start with the win-loss record because the great quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame win a lot of games. 102-72 and for his career, Matt Ryan. We've never thought of him. He no was Super, on my no Super Bowl. He was like on my said. Hall of Very Good. Yep. That's, that's Four, what I was just going to say. People count rings, and they count the time choke. Pro Bowler. Don't count the choke against him too, despite the fact that might not be entirely fair. Yeah, that wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't really his fault. Carson Palmer is another one. Like Carson Palmer has an ex, almost the exact same case as Eli Manning, where there were times where he was really good in his career, won a lot. But he's a 500 quarterback at the end of the day. Had a lot of bad seasons. The Oakland thing probably people hold against him. I just a Super Bowl in New York and Carson Palmer is a shoo-in. Yeah. and the the Warner shoo-in. the Warner thing drove me crazy. I just thought like what I mean, are we really doing this on you won a Super Bowl and had a couple of really good years? Yeah. Is that how we're really doing this? People count rings. I, I think that's I think that's a very bad way to do it. I think if you have a lot of good guys, is there a quarterback who has an MVP and a Super Bowl ring and is not in the Hall of Fame? I know I'm springing that question on you on the spot, and you may not have the answer, probably don't have the answer, but... So, Super Bowl MVP. Has a Super Bowl ring and an MVP. Like a season MVP. Not a Super Bowl MVP, but a season-long MVP and a Super Bowl ring. I would imagine that anybody, any quarterback who has those two things is in the Hall of Fame. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back here. You are listening to Purple Daily. I think, first and foremost, there's a lot of attention going about the knee and that issue, and yes... He was banged up throughout the season. He, he got hurt in week one, played through the rest of the hurt season. Hurt in week one. That's yeah. something we didn't really understand. Well, it came out late in the year that he had got, he banged, he got banged up in week one. He played through it, and it kind of just got worn down towards the end of the season. That was Maurice Jones-Drew there. Now, my understanding is that Maurice Jones-Drew is on the broadcasts for the Los Angeles Rams and also does the NFC uh, or the NFL Network, which means that he is no longer on the broadcasts of the Los Angeles Rams. Right, because that was their big secret is Todd Gurley was hurt all season. And then he's like, yeah, Todd Gurley was hurt this season. Like, what? Well, at this point, it, so, it wasn't too hard to deduct that no, Todd but Gurley's career is you know like NFL circling his drain. Of course. If yeah. you're putting that out there. So, so he was um, fired for leaking that? No, he wasn't, but oh, he's okay. going to be, I okay. would guess. Yeah. Um, I'm, my guess would be you're not supposed to say that if you're on the team broadcast. Anyway, so we were uh, just kicking it around about Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame. I don't know how we got there, but we got there. Your question about MVPs and Super Bowl MVPs and making the Hall of Fame. So I found there's three quarterbacks since 2000 that are not Hall of Fame guys who have won the MVP, and they all have cases that are just as good as Eli Manning. Matt Ryan, Steve McNair, and Rich Gannon. And I think Steve McNair has a much better case than Eli Manning for the Hall of Fame. He dragged the team to the Super Bowl. He went 91 and 62 as a starter. He was incredibly entertaining and dynamic. And also, if you talk about a guy who was just a, a great story, too, if we're adding that to Kurt Warner for why he got in, well, Steve McNair is every bit as good of a story as he is. So 
I mean, there's a to me, it's one of those if you put in Eli and Kurt Warner and not guys like Steve McNair, you are committing an injustice to quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. But I think a lot of people would disagree with you because of how much weight they place on Super Bowl rings. And I un- I understand uh, why that would be because I don't. winning I don't, matters. I don't but, get that logic, to be honest with but you. But I mean, I think just in general, like the quarterback position and winning, it matters. Not I, to I say hate it, when people say a oh, win loss doesn't matter for quarterbacks. Like, okay, you could have John Kitna's 4,000 yard season then. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but it takes a lot beyond just right. a good quarterback to win a Super Bowl. And their defenses shut down Tom Brady. Right. Eli beat Tom Brady. Well, okay. I mean, he played really well. He made some great throws. But if you're weighing, you have to, to get him in the Hall of Fame, you have to weigh that more than anything else by a thousand miles mm-hmm. because there's no other real case for him. But we know for a fact that when these guys sit down on the Saturday before the Super Bowl to make this decision, that they weigh things and talk about things in their presentation like who did the person play for? Super Bowls. Yep. Do we like him? Yeah, Terrell Owens was left out of the Hall of Fame as a crime because he wasn't liked. It's that's it, but but that but this isn't done logically with well, you know what he was good, but not that good. If if Kurt Warner had been a salty sob and had told the media to buzz off, <laughs> guess what? He's probably not in the Hall of Fame right now. Yeah. No, I think, so yeah, you're I think so you're, 100% you're trying right. to go down a logical path of the of the yeah. why, and Eli's got it all going for him. His name is Man, and I can tell you right now, my guess is if Peter King stands up and says, "Gentlemen, this guy's going to Hall of Fame," guess what? He's going to Hall of Fame. Yeah, you might be right. I I, just, I look at these other quarterbacks and Kurt Warner's career and Eli Manning's nowhere close to people like Elway, Favre, Kelly. Nowhere close. Gentlemen, a fun hour. Hot routes. And I appreciate you for it. I enjoyed Hot it. Hot routes will return along with the rest of the show on Monday. So coming up next is Mackie and Judd with Rami. Download the podcast, okay? There, you're welcome, Jonathan. See you Monday. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.